Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the NBA Prospect Podcast. I'm your gracious host, Rob Bruin, along with my good friend, T. Rose. What's good, bro? Talk to me. How you doing, man? Another week, some more breaking news. I'm uh-huh. excited, man. How you feeling? I'm chilling, bro. You know, I got the I got the little vibe going on over here right now. I got the fresh balsam from Bath and Body Works. I got the scent mm. going through the crib. What you got cooking up over there? Hey, look, look, when you said it, you said it like you was the only one, man. You feel me? Like, <laughs> I, 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 look, hold on, me. I got the candles back here, man. You see one right here. Got some uh-huh. little aromatherapy going on here on the table. Okay. So. Not only am I am I smelling the ambiance that's good, I'm also feeling and looking good too. So that's a fact. You know. I feel that wave tech is back in the building. You know, I'm on my mm. curly vibe right now. Yeah, it's it's, for, it's a new week, so I had to come correct, fresh cut too for the people that, that you know. And I'm coming for the best hairlines too. Stop playing. <laughs> that's a fact. Don't worry, I'll be back in the game soon. Yeah, man. So you, you're still so in quarantine many... mode. Oh, that's a fact. <laughs> Until I clean up, when I clean up nice, you're mm-hmm. gonna be nervous. Trust me. So there's so many different things that have happened throughout the week. Um, you know, we got now breaking news of Russell Westbrook testing positive for COVID-19, which that's mm. a tragedy. That's a big hit to the game. Ron and AD is saying that they're not approving of the social justice um, slogans on the back of the jerseys. You know, they, they had their feedback on that. Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, hit, a, hit the Missouri senator with a little F-bomb. You know, he's, mm. he's on a little suspension right now, which is going to be tough. You know, he sent out mm-hmm. his, you know, his apology via Twitter, which we'll touch early on, um, later on, I'm sorry. And Stephen A. Smith and Stephen Jackson are back at it again. And Will mm. and Jada finally, finally touched on things at the Red Table Talk. So we have so much coming up for you guys. Just wanted to give you guys a quick little heads up on the headlines. So just to keep you guys informed as well, we're, we're available on all streaming podcast platforms. So like we like to tell you all the time, pick your poison. Now, T-Rose. Talk to me. Russell Westbrook, one of the NBA's best point guards, tested positive for COVID-19. He's currently averaging 27 and a half points per game, eight rebounds per game, and seven assists. This man is pushing back into triple-double mode, MVP caliber mode, even playing alongside James Harden. How much... Does this really affect the Rockets with him joining Nikola Jokic and Spencer Dinwiddie, amongst many others that have COVID-19 now? Well, this is a big blow for the Houston Rockets and the NBA because we're talking about a, a star-studded talent who now has to take time aside to obviously focus on himself, get his health back in order. And again, I just think this is such an unfortunate situation and it it's scary, you know what I mean? Because there's no telling, again, who he may have come across or contacted with. I saw that James Harden was another player who was late to arrive to the bubble. So, and uh, Luca Abu, I'm not even going to butcher his name right now. We're just going to stick with James Harden. (laughs) (laughs) We're not even going to do that. So, so, but I know James Harden was um, late getting there. So it's just, it's scary. And I know the bubble was supposed to be a secure place for these players, but it's hard to be secure in these times. It's hard to be secure. So you just don't know who you've been in contact with. So, um, it's an unfortunate blow, and I hope that Russ can, you know, get himself back in order, quarantine, and hopefully he'll be able to be back and be back strong. Me and you have had this disagreement for months now. 
I remember me and you speaking about this early in quarantine. I felt initially that they needed to leave this alone. And when I say they, the NBA is pushing the narrative of the NBA season, right? I always said that, and you can attest to this, that it's it's going to be all fun and games until somebody very important, and not to say that any players are less than, but there are certain players within the culture, i.e. Russell Westbrook, i.e. the Joker, that if they get caught up with this virus, it's going to impact the league differently, right? So in saying that, I just feel like this is forced right now. You know, I understand a lot of money is involved, but these athletes are part of a huge brand. And I feel like their health is being put at risk because the notion of having the NBA back right now seems to be more important. I'm not speaking down on the NBA. I just think that with it being July, they're supposed to be on break anyway. NBA finals Mm -hmm. would have been done. And at this point, I feel like they should just be with their families and just restart the season. If anything, start the season back early a little bit. Get a little bit, get some more preseason in. But to switch up the entire format of the NBA, it it seems very forced to me right now. I agree. I do think that the NBA is is, is forcing their hand with picking up the season and hopefully creating this atmosphere, as we know, is the bubble that is supposed Mm -hmm. to make these players be safe and or secure when you're talking about contacting the virus, COVID-19. But again, I just think that it's it's a reach. And again, I think that the notion that we're going to create an atmosphere where no one can get it, quote unquote. But how? But then how, how could you but, even but, create that? And then there's but there's still people that's coming in and out of the bubble. So for right. me, I almost I almost feel like the atmosphere of being in the bubble is worse because we're all in here together and there's together. No yeah. So it's like yeah, we may not be spreading it to other people, but we may be all getting it in here. So I think that that notion is just a little scary moving forward. Obviously, the NBA is going to do what they need to do to get things back rolling. As we know, the season's supposed to start back July 31st. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But again, it's unfortunate these numbers have to keep increasing. And like you say, sometimes it takes an A-list name like a Russell Westbrook for people to kind of wake up. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's the 18th player out of uh, 302 that has tested positive for COVID-19. And again, the season has not started yet. So hopefully these numbers can can stop, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, this this is going to be a tough pill to swallow. And, and I mean, like you said, they're all being quarantined in different spots within the bubble. But like you said, people are leaving, but they're staying in. So there's no t- telling who's bringing what back into the bubble. You know, Correct. some of the media are there now. I saw Taylor Rooks posted that she was there safely yesterday. So I just hope that people stay safe. And I mean, we want to see the NBA back, but I don't think they should be willing to risk anyone's health to have this back up and running because their health, if there's no healthy NBA players, there is no NBA, strictly Correct. like that. So that's that's just where I stand on it. We just have to see how it goes. Absolutely. Now, Troy, me and you have really touched on the topic about younger, important athletes going to HBCUs and committing to them as well. Mm -hmm. What do you think it will take? Like, what about the HBCU experience is really different? Is it like the all-Black crowd being amongst uh, their peers and seeing people that look like them? Why is the HBCU experience so important for these elite talents? I would have to agree. You know, me personally, I can... I can see the pros and the cons in the situation again, because when you look at 
a lot of these kids, when they grow up in a predominantly black area, that creates their their comfort. So when they move on to the HBCUs, that's something that's familiar with them. But for those who have not grown up in a diverse area, when you when you go to these HBCUs, that's great. But that experience outside of college, interacting with people that are outside of your element, outside of your ethnicity, will kind of kind of waver your growth as far as just interacting with other people. So it has its pros, but it has its cons. But I think it's great that these young athletes are willing to go play at these HBCUs, adapt to the surrounding, adapt to the culture, and represent and be a part of history. I think that's the most important aspect of it. So, Troy, to your point of understanding really why athletes, young Black athletes should commit to HBCUs, I think that they need to understand that they're part of a critical part of history, right? When they understand that they're trying to shift the narrative and really put their people on, I think it's really good that they understand that they're part of something that's way bigger than them. And um, like me, I went to an HBCU and me and you ended up meeting up at Syracuse University and getting our master's as well. I think something that was real imperative that I had a black foundation. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And I just knew who I was when I stepped into an environment amongst many other people. Comparison, you go to the HBCU, diversity is the MBA. Even though there are a lot of black people there, you have a structured foundation before you step out into the world. And I think that that's something that a lot of black athletes need. Absolutely. And it's it's just great for the culture because I want to see a Howard in the NCAA tournament. I remember a few years back when I was in college, every time I would see Hampton play Kentucky, Kentucky would always dog them by like 50. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to continue to see that. I want to see, you know, Howard and Hampton have a chance to compete. And big I shout agree. out to Hampton. I believe uh, his name is Benjamin Staley. I think it's Benji, Benji Staley. He's mm -hmm. over at Hampton. He's killing it. He was like top five mm -hmm. this year in Division One for scoring. He averaged like 22 points a game, I believe. And he entered the transfer portal as well earlier uh, last week, I believe. So um, the talent is there, you know. But see, the thing is now he was at an HBCU. Where is he going to go now? You see? That's, that's see. the question, you know. So mm -hmm. um, big shout out to him, though. But uh, I mean, our young black athletes really need to understand what's at risk. And as black people, one of the things I know that we have is sports, especially basketball, especially football. So if we're going to own anything, we need to own that. I'm, I'm just of sorry. Course. That's, that's how I see it. And I'm still waiting, Mikey Williams. You let McCord <laughs> Maker come up and, and kind of take the spotlight and create a wave. I'm still waiting, Mikey Williams. I heard I, We know Brian got a few offers. That could be trend-setting mm -hmm. also. So, you know, it's some other great players that can, that can continue this, this path that we've seen young players be, be able or be comfortable to do, and that's join the HBCU and represent for the culture, represent for sports. And I'll say this to Mikey as well. Because McCord Maker has already made this decision, I don't think you should rush to make a decision because if you're not ready to make that decision, make that decision with the right intention. Everybody mm -hmm. is going to commit to their university and their school at the right time. Make the right decision for yourself, for you and your family. And we're anxious to see what's going to happen because we're basketball fans, right? So you have to do what's best for you and your family. So, you know, we're waiting on it, but do, do what's best for you, brother. Well said. Absolutely. Now, Brian and AD won't be wearing any of the NBA-approved social justice uh, slogans on the back of the NBA jerseys because they feel like their names are enough. According to Yahoo Sports, I have a quote right here for AD. For me, I think the name Davis is something I try to represent every time I step on the floor, Davis said. 
I just think my last name is something that's very important to me and also social justice as well. But I'm just holding my family name and representing the name on the back to go through this process. And many people who have been with me through my entire career to help me get to this point while still kind of bringing up things that we can do for the social injustice. End quote. How you feel about that, T-Rose? Um, well, well, I respect it. I feel like everyone has their own right to to determine what they would like to have on the back of their jersey. And again, for Anthony Davis, he feels that his last name and his family legacy and what the work that he's put in to represent that is worth having. But like every reason is different. When you look at LeBron James, he feels that that just doesn't resonate with his message and what he's trying to do to support the Black Lives Movement and give Black people the equal opportunity that they, that they should be treated. So I think that I think that everyone has their own specific reason, and I respect those who are determining to put messages on the back of their jersey. I saw that Kyle Corver will have Black Lives Matter on the back of his. I saw the big man Rudy Gobert will have equality on the back of his. So I respect those who are willing to represent and use those messages on those platforms. But for those who choose to not participate, LeBron and AD being in particular, I mean, I feel like they have their own specific reason, and we can't do anything but respect that. I ask you this as well. Do you feel as though these little things that the NBA is throwing out, Black Lives Matter on the court, social justice slogans on the back of the jerseys, is this really handling the problem or or are these little things that are helping us get through the times, the rural times that we're in right now? And if it's something else, I'd rather you tell me what it is. Um. Well, of course, they have to do their due diligence, especially when you talk about a league like the NBA, who is dominated by African-American athletes. So mm-hmm. I think that that is that should be an automatic reaction when you talk about them. We talk about allowing these players to have these social justice statements on the back of their jerseys. I think that that is uh, that's what they should do. You know what I mean? But again, I don't think that it's going to change what's going on. I feel like it's a it's a movement to show that they're in support. But I think what would be great is if they got the input of some of these players and allowed them to also do things and be a part of some of these decisions that they make, not just saying, well, here's a court. We're going to put that on here for you guys. Or yeah, you guys can go ahead and, 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 put slogans on the back of your jersey that that was a part of the reason why LeBron chose to not do it because he felt like they didn't really come to him and ask him anything or or get his input so he's going to represent for what he feels is important he doesn't think that having something on the back of his jersey is going to help people understand his mission his actions will and I think that that's what you have to allow these players to do to put actions with with these causes not just give them small platforms like a like a black lives matter which is and we commend them for that opportunity but i think putting these actions is a little bit more important than slogans and and what you write on the court natasha cloud from the wnba calls these type of things crumbs Mm -hmm. i think it's a strong statement but i agree with it why because it's little things that are supposed to make the athletes feel comfortable in the midst of the storm right the issue needs to be addressed at all times, like these little things that make people feel comfortable in the moment is like a huge gray area that's being created. Well, at least we gave you this in the midst of, no, we need to handle the situation head on, right? So the Black Lives Matter on the court, the social justice slogans on the jersey is, it's cool, but it's not addressing the situation, which is why I don't think LeBron or AD is wrong for just rocking their names, because that doesn't mean that they're not with the movement. 
That just means they're staying focused or they just feel like that could be a distraction. And me putting a social justice slogan on the back of my jersey doesn't make this better. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Like, just because I have Black Lives Matter on the back of my jersey, like, what what does that mean? You encourage me to feel how I already feel, right? Like, we need you guys to make the right decisions to adjust what needs to happen within the structure of the NBA organization. So... To say that, I just feel like there's so many more things that, that, that they can give. But it's, it's way bigger than the NBA. But I will say Adam Silver is um, one of the better commissioners when it comes to pro sports and hearing his players out. So hats off to him and uh, definitely respect what he's doing. Of course. Ultimately, it's not enough. But we'll see what direction that they move in to see what else that they can do to, to help these, uh, these issues. that So, you know, like you say, Adam Silver, he's one of the best commissioners. So I, I don't doubt that. More changes. At least that we're seeing, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It could be way worse. You know, I'm not going to call no names or nothing like that, but it definitely could be way worse. So Adrian Wojnarowski, my man hit the Missouri Senator with the F-bomb. He hit him with the fuck you. (laughs) Whoa. You know, he speaks to the Missouri Senator, Josh Howley. They had a disagreement or argument over the, the NBA's relationship with China, and then Woj ends up getting suspended for two weeks with no pay. Everyone's on Twitter, Instagram, free Woj, free Woj. Some people are saying Woj can create his own business without ESPN. Now, ESPN needs to wake up. Uh, what's your take on the madness that's happening right now with that? Well, well first things first, we, of course... <laughs> Free free Woj, man. Free Woj, okay. But again, um, ESPN did what they what they had to do. Uh, Woj has the right to feel how he feels and express mm-hmm. whatever concern that he feels he needs to express to the senator. But the only problem is you can't do that on your job's email. You can't use your work email to insult the senator, man. Should have got on your bully from your personal you know, email or something, he, not the he, at ESPN. <laughs> man, he, he, look, man, just all you got to do is just pull a KD, man. Go make a fake account, man. Make something, a little burner. A burner. Yeah, make a burner, anything. But you can't send it off your work email, man. And that is what caused the problem. And obviously, we see that he's suspended without pay. I believe that it affected him actually traveling to the bubble to report this week. But again, Adrian Wojnarowski, he's a big name. We know he dropped Woj bombs all the time. So we may miss him for these week or two, but he'll be back up and running. He'll be, without, back. He'll be, he'll be back. It's no problem at all. But again, I commend him. If he's going to stand up for us and, and be a voice of reason, um, I'm all for that. Just make sure you don't get caught, man. And don't use the word email, Woj. <laughs> That's a fact. And and just so everybody knows, Woj did apologize and here's his apology via Twitter. Open quote. I'm sorry for the way I handled myself and I'm reaching out immediately to the Senator Howie to apologize directly. I also need to apologize to my ESPN colleagues because I know my actions were unacceptable and should not reflect on any of them. Woj is a stand up guy. We all make mistakes. He was fired up. He wasn't having it. And he just let it fly. You know, <laughs> we all mm-hmm. make mistakes. I'm not going to bash him, but I'm just waiting for Wolves to get back because these breaking news situations keep happening quickly. And it was weird today when we heard about Russell Westbrook having COVID-19 and I didn't get my head up from Wolves first thing. So we need <laughs> we need him back. We need ASAP. you back. We need you back, Woj. We need you back. But again, you have to commend him for being a man, standing up, taking taking ownership of his actions, apologizing to the mayor and or the people. But again, the mayor's not gonna accept that apology. Of course not. He's already he's already said you already said how you really feel to me. I know you apologize and I respect but or the senator, excuse me. He's not accepting that. 
And now we, we get back to this point that we keep coming to in terms of Stephen A. Smith and Stephen Jackson. They've mm. been clashing for weeks now. To me, this, this leaves a bad taste in my mouth because I really believe that Stephen Jackson went on a Don Lemon show a few days ago and was speaking with Don Lemon about the anti-Semitic message that he agreed with. And when I say agree, he retweeted what Deshaun Jackson said about, you know, Jews and things of that nature. One thing that I noticed about Steven Jackson's demeanor, and I will say this, when Don Lemon was asking him questions, Steven Jackson was very defensive, mm -hmm. right? When you, CNN is a different platform. And like Jay Williams said, it's not a podcast, right? That's mm -hmm. no shot at Steven Jackson. It's just a different realm. The way you speak on CNN, these people are well-versed. They know facts. And they're going to speak to you in an articulate and eloquent way. You have to be able to express yourself. You can't say, this is what I mean. You have to use your words to say what you mean, right? I'm not saying he did a bad job, but he didn't do the best job of it. But we do know that Steven Jackson has been standing up for all of the social injustices that have happened. He spoke on the different Jewish friends that he has and saying how they know that he didn't really mean anything, any harm by what he said. But I think Steven Jackson should have been prepped more for that interview. I know he had good intentions, but now this opens up the door for Stephen A. Smith to say what he's saying. And me personally, I don't like that because having Steven Jackson be a topic in their rundown for the day, it, it's tough. It's a hard pill to swallow because watching Black journalists speak about each other like that, I really didn't like it. I think Stephen A. Smith could have said what he had to say in a lighter way and just reached out to Stephen Jackson as in a phone call. That, that's not an email. That's not a FaceTime. That's a phone call. And just, you know, brother, I don't like the way that you did that because him saying what he's saying, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith said he looks bad verbatim. That's what he said. He looks bad. And I think Stephen Jackson is going to begin to start to take these things a little personally. And I really don't want to see that amongst them. Well, I mean, when you, when you talk about the, the post from Deshaun Jackson, the anti-Semitic post, which was a quote from Adolf Hitler, I think that Stephen Jackson's reaction wasn't in support of the, of the post. It was more of a comparison to a situation that Deshaun Jackson faced with the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, mm -hmm. and another player, Michael Cooper, or uh, Cooper who played for the Eagles, Right. And he actually said he a just racial got slap slur. On the wrist. He said a racial slur at a concert, Kenny Chesney concert back in 2013. And the, the different treatment in which Cooper was treated opposed to Deshaun Jackson, I think that that's where Steven Jackson's expression was coming from. But I think the way in which he handled his, his defense mechanism or his expression on who he was mm -hmm. siding with came off a little differently. And again, like you say, on a platform like CNN, when you, when you say you use the wrong choice of words or you could have worded things differently, they want to hear what you could have said differently. They want to hear what you truly meant and where you're coming from. And I think that he didn't do a, a great job of expressing that. And, and at times he was a little bit defensive. But I think for Stephen A, being a well-spoken, a well-articulate, a very educated man, I think that that Shasiba, what you say, that should be where you step in and let him know how he could have done things personally and let him, and let him say, hey, bro, 
You could have done things. You could have said it this way. You could have expressed it in this manner. But to go on first take it and just, and in a way, kind of embarrass him and just let him know that he embarrassed not only himself, but in a way, kind of embarrassed us when we talk about the culture. I think that that was a little bit much. I think it, I think it was. But again, no one's perfect. And Stephen Jackson, he's been one of the top voices we've heard when you talk about standing up, when you talk about George Floyd, the loss of him through police brutality. We talk about standing up for Black Lives Matter and equality for our culture and our people. He's been a very advocate and one of the top voices that I've heard. So I think that we don't think that he's supporting anti-Semitics. I don't think that he's in cahoots with any of that. I don't think that he has any dislike for Jews. As you know, he has over 10 Jewish people working on his podcast, all the smoke. So I don't think that that's any of uh, the, the issues, but I think in which the way he expressed it and the way that he came off to a lot of people was just not informed. And that's the thing. When you're not informed, I think that we should help each other get informed, especially when you talk about someone who you would sit up there and say my brother to. I've heard Stephen Jackson and Stephen Smith, Stephen A. Smith say that to each other numerous times. So if that's your brother, how you say he is, then do what you can to have his back and support him and to educate him. Yeah, that's it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And I will say that Stephen Jackson did admit that he wasn't fully informed about what he was speaking about. He was he was honest about that. Right. Which goes back to knowing what type of platform you want. And when I saw him on CNN, I'm going to be honest, my initial reaction was I did cringe a little bit because this is a very political platform. Like CNN is, it's, it's, I mean, CNN has its highs and its lows, but that's not the platform you just go on and just say whatever you want. Right. So Stephen A. Smith, I, I don't know. That just kind of rubbed me in the wrong way because just like we're saying, like, we're supposed to be brothers and the amount of things that are happening right now to see your brother do something that's bad for his career. And you guys are saying that this was an L that he took. I hope, and I mean, me and you personally don't know, but I hope that Stephen A. Smith extended his arm and reached out to him, called him something, because if that's your brother, yes, he's a grown man, but you have to help guide him in another direction, especially if you have the type of platform that you have. If you're going to sit on air and say those type of things, and not to say that it was super aggressive or degrading or anything like that, but if you're going to reach out and say those things, I believe you have to reach out and help as well. I agree. And and, and who's to say that Stephen A. Smith did it or did? He, he may have yeah, reached out, right. but Stephen Jackson. just saw what happened on air. We can only say that. And he's going through a lot right now. Stephen Jackson, you know, the loss of George Floyd, that, mm-hmm. that, that hit a lot, not just for him, but the entire country. So I think, you know, when it when it hits a little bit home, when it hits home a little bit more for you, there's no telling what touches no your telling emotions. What, exactly. So there's no telling the state of mind that he that he's in right now. So again, I hope that, you know, these two these two brothers can get can kick these differences and figure out whatever it is their issue is. And again, I respect Steven Jackson for acknowledging that he was not informed. But mm-hmm. for us, our guy, our job is to inform others so that we don't have these problems. So hopefully that these guys can can settle their differences and, and do what they can to keep representing for the culture and for our community. 100%. So now, guys, we get to our new segment of the show called Tell Me What's On Your Mind, where we touch on a little, a couple of extra topics that are just outside of the box, and we just yeah. you know, give you guys a little extra. Mm-hmm. So Will and Jada finally sit down at the red table. Oh, and have the, poor, I'm sorry, the red table talk. Poor Will. Like we said last... <laughs> The internet is having a great time with Will. They're memeing him out. 
you know, and I'll be the first to say, I think everybody needs to mind their business. They don't know the dynamics of their relationship. Correct. Right. I'm just happy that the information checked out correct and August told the truth. That's all I can say. What's your take on it? Well, I mean, for me, I never truly doubted August because, again, when you talk about A-list celebrities like Will Smith. Yeah, you can't play around with Smith, Jada. You, you better be telling the, the truth. Those aren't accusations. Those aren't accusations that you can just throw out, let alone even get close enough to them to say that that even happened. So for those accusations to even come out from August, I kind of felt that it was maybe some substance to it. And as we saw on the red table talk with Will and Jada, it was. But I think the misconception that we had to get was Will or Jada was not cheating on Will. They were separated. And as she quoted it, she was was having an entanglement. Yes. An entanglement. (laughs) You know, as, as she quoted it. So, um, however, however we phrased it, I guess an entanglement is, is short for a relationship. So it, it was something that happened while they were separated. And, you know, she she owned it. That's the best thing you can do as an adult on whatever you did. But you have to give Will credit to sit up there and listen to his wife express, you know, why she was doing it and, and what was going through her mind and her reasoning. I think that that showed a lot of character because I know I wouldn't be able to hear. It. I don't, I don't, <laughs> one, I don't, I don't need to hear it, and I don't need to sit up here to, at a, at a red table and let everybody else. Hear. I, don't, I don't need to hear it. Y'all did your thing. Y'all did your thing. If we're gonna be together, let's move on. So. But I, I commend Will for sitting up there and listening to him and asking him the question, asking the questions that he wanted to know the answers to. So again, you know, they're still together. They're still what we would consider a power couple. But that's what makes you a power couple: going through adversity, going through hard times, and and being able to bounce back from it. So again, they're, they're still holding it down, and you know. For them, they got more publicity than August did, and he was the one that got the the, the best end of the cake. So, uh, you know, shout out to Will and Jada. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people really want to go back and forth about what is and what's not right about that situation. But like I said, we're not in their situation. And when you're in a marriage, I've never been married before, just listening and speaking to people that have been in relationships for a very long time, 30, 40 years. Relationships and marriages will test you. The other person you're dealing with is going to test you in different ways that you never thought would happen. You know, it's not peaches and cream. There's going to, in 30 years, Troy, of you being with a woman, you're going to do some shit. 30 years? 30. You're going to do something. You see what I'm saying? Hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Time out, time out. Speak for yourself. Oh, so you're... you're You good, so you're not doing nothing in 30 years. Look, I'm not saying me, but there, there's other men, gentlemen, however you want to phrase it, that would beg to differ. But in most cases, I'm just saying most 30 cases, years. your average person. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to throw the point the finger at you. I'm sorry because I was looking at you. you know, I'm man, just saying. Come on, man. Come on, man. It's Come on, something man. Something will happen in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So to think that we can speak on their relationship, who are we? Correct. They were separated, like you said, and and we're not going to talk about how Will was probably sticking and sticking and moving too. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Going. So listen, fifth. It, it it goes it goes both ways, and women are a very powerful force. I'll say that. So the world you know, around. Yeah, hats off to them, man. Everybody told that I know. As soon as I saw, I shot it to you immediately. As soon as mm-hmm. I sent it right to you, I said, "There it is." You know, but it, it was great to just. They got the internet on fire right now, but yeah, it was it was great to hear the truth. Oh, it's it's blazing. It's definitely mm-hmm. blazing. 
So Duke finally hires the first black head coach in basketball in Duke's history, Kara mm-hmm. Lawson. She played at Tennessee. She was a WNBA player. She's a gold medalist for the USA team. They won back in 2008, back in the Beijing Olympics. And also, she was currently the assistant coach for the Boston Celtics. This is a huge deal for the Duke women's basketball organization. And this is just great. What do you think about this? I think that that's a great hire for Duke. Uh, Carl Lawson, she's someone who's put her time, her energy, and has earned the respect to be on this platform as Duke's, women, as Duke's women's head coach. As you said, she did play for Tennessee. She was coached by the legendary Pat Summit. So, you know, those, those morals, those, those huge tenacity, yeah, those, those, that, that lesson that she learned from that legendary person in Pat Summit, rest in peace, or go on for a lifetime. So to, to, to be under her and to learn from her, to go on to play in the WNBA. She won a championship in 2005 with the Sacramento Monarchs. You know, as you said, she coached with the Boston Celtics. So she has that experience at the NBA level for a year. And again, we can't sleep. She also did her thing in broadcasting, working for ESPN, covering women's and men's basketball uh, as far as NBA uh, college, WNBA. So I think that, you know, her, her rap sheet speaks for itself. And again, to make history and be the first black coach that Duke has hired. We can talk about sports as far as basketball and football. I think that that is transcending. And, and I commend Carl Lawson and I respect Duke for making that decision. Yeah, hats off to that. We definitely needed that. And that was great for the culture as well as we know. Pat Mahomes signed a mm-hmm. 10-year extension. Man, man, listen. I he been he been having fun ever since, man. I saw him <laughs> out on the boat. I saw him doing Living flips off life. the boat, concerts, like just just enjoying that life. Just but enjoying. Troy, what more can you ask for within three years? You playing the NBA because I know you still think you got a little bit of game, even though you broke your ankle. You know, a couple. That left, that left, that lefty still hit. Don't <laughs> you play. know what I'm saying? Within three years, you went to the Super Bowl twice, won it the second mm-hmm. time, and then mm-hmm. after that, they give you the super bag. If you have $503 million, Troy, what, what do you do with that? Where are you first going? Thing, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I get $503 million, first thing I'm doing, I'm going to the bank, taking out 500000 and I'm going to V Live. <laughs> I'm going to V Live, man. But no, no, in all seriousness, man, you get you get five hundred and three million. I, I think that you have to understand now. There comes some some expectations with a oh, big yeah. bag. With, with a big bag is big shoes to fill. So I think that with that now now they need more. They they need we need more. And I think that that's something that Patrick Mahomes is going to. It's going to make happen for the Kansas City Chiefs when we talk about that team and, and the offensive threats that he has. When we talk about Sammy Watkins, when you talk about Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, their defense has been superb. When we talk about Tyron Matthews leading things. So I think that, you know, the, the expectations now are going to be, be what's big. But again, enjoy the, enjoy the time, enjoy the money, of course, and do what you need to do to, to, to represent for the Kansas City Chiefs, man. $503 million. But if, if I get him 503 million, I need two, three more. That's just me. If, I, if, I, yeah, if I'm an owner, I need, two, money. I need two, three more. Mm-hmm. But we have to admit, he's off to a great start. And like I said earlier, within three years, they're already saying like he's at the top. He's leading the pack. They already mm-hmm. have him as one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And, and 
It's a legitimate argument. You know, no argument. So, uh, yeah, money oh, speaks for itself. No argument. Yeah, you're right. And uh, hats off to Patrick Mahomes. Continue to put the work in. Five hundred and three million dollars, man. Listen, I'm feeling like I don't LeBron. Even know man. Let me. What let I me I'm feeling like LeBron, man. Let me borrow five, but put like. <laughs> Put like three or four more zeros out there. there. Let me borrow five, man. Nah, that's a fact, man. Well, listen, man, we appreciate y'all for tuning in with us. The NBA Prospect Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here with my good brother, T. Rose. We appreciate y'all for tuning in. We out of here. We out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.